advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. And hello, everybody, and welcome to this final Defending the Kingdom episode from St. Joe as camp wraps up tomorrow at Missouri Western State University. Mitch Holtis with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen, a.k.a. Matt Statt, and, of course, the man who played over 10 years in the National Football League, Sean Barber, a.k.a. Spider-Man, Barbershop, Shop, uh, Shop adopt. So uh, anyway, we get uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna go back to the old school defending the kingdom format of four quarters here. But before we do, we got a couple things to take care of. Now you want good news, shop? This is good news. Matt's heard this. You want good news? Let me know. Let me know. Shop usually spreads good news. Now he gets to receive good news. You get the good news because we know defending the kingdom uh, podcast engagers are all over the world. Football fans, I don't care where you're at in the world. You get a chance with NFL Sunday Ticket only on DirecTV. You can watch your favorite team no matter where you live. That means all seven continents. Which we've heard everything but Antarctica. So we, we're getting to Australia today because we had people here from Australia. Because NFL Sunday Ticket gives you every out-of-market game every Sunday afternoon. So switch to DirecTV and learn how to get the 2022 NFL Sunday ticket, season included, at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Now, you want the disclaimer? You read it real fast. Like, okay. <laughs> That's your job. With choice package and above, 24-month agreement required. Call for details. That's pretty good. Okay. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay. I'm sold. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Um, let's get into We're going to have four different breakdowns here uh, of this episode. One is we're going to look back at Saturday's game against the Bears quickly, your reaction All right. from my two esteemed colleagues. Then we're going to talk about these three days that just happened here in St. Joe and why they're more significant than you think. Three will set you up for the Commanders game on Saturday afternoon at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. And then finally, how camp pivots. Camp doesn't end with the team leaving St. Joe. It just pivots back to Kansas City. So let's start around the world, first of all. And we did have people here today from practice from Australia. Super cool, right? From Sydney, Australia. If I understand it correctly, um, one of them is from this area, from Kansas City, or was it St. Joe, from the, the Kingdom area. And they moved to Australia, met his wife there, and now he's raising kids in Australia, but raising them as Chiefs fans. And they came to a practice here today. They'll be at the game on Saturday, so super cool. That was awesome. And we know Australia is the kingdom now, too. So. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, I also have lots of people from around the world listening to DTK. Usually we do 13 names and places. I have 16 today because oh, no. I, had, I had three extra. I was like, All I'm right. not going to leave you know three what? out. No, I'll tell you why. Um, for Len Dawson. Yeah, that's perfect. Number 16. Oh, we have so 16 I love for Lenny. Um, we have Larry in Bakerton, Pennsylvania. Pam right here in St. Joe. Uh, Carlos in Las Vegas. Charles in Creighton, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip in Tonganoxie. He says it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there it's on a the clear chieftains. day. Come on, it's the chieftains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Dennis in Switzerland. Dylan in Plainville, Kansas. Cardinals. He said that uh, you were a motivational speaker for his class in 1999. Ooh, mm. that's, that's not good. Yeah. I'm sure his life is just disintegrated after <laughs> well, that. I mean, he listens to <laughs> DTK, so apparently you yeah. did something right. Um, we've got Malcolm in Lee Summit. Uh, Tonica is listening in San Antonio. Dennis is representing the kingdom as a member of the 35th Infantry Division in Southwest Asia. Pretty wow, cool. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. 
Um, Tom in Old Forge, Pennsylvania, been a fan for more than 40 years. Uh, Chris just moved to Poland and is setting up Chiefs Kingdom Poland, so good news there. Um, Chris, keep doing that. We've got Carl in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, but he's originally from Lawson, Missouri. Perry in the Philippines. We have lots of listeners in the Philippines. I've noticed that. The Chiefs Kingdom is just all over yeah. the islands of the Philippines. It's, it, it. it's impressive stuff. Um, Rasta and Taylor are in Myrtle Beach, but they're originally from Lebanon, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Yellow Mich- Jackets. There you go. Uh, lastly, we've got Michelle in Central Florida. She declared it Arrowhead, South Orlando. Like it. Pretty cool. And so earlier in camp, just to remind you, we also had a family here from Azerbaijan. We're not making it up. Crazy. The Chiefs Kingdom is worldwide. Well, let's jump in now to our reaction. Let's let's look back quickly at the Chicago game last Saturday. Chiefs lose at 19-14, two completely different games. The Chiefs were dominating the first half. But I did love shop the way the Chiefs in the first half with the ones and some twos either dominated or dictated almost every snap with a few exceptions in that first half against the Bears and Justin Fields. Well, what you did is you saw the Chiefs playing very uh, sharp and fast and quick. Getting the line, getting assigned, um, not many uh, missed tackles, um, not many false starts, any, any of those um, penalties before and after the snap that kind of uh, make you feel bad about the, uh, the product on the field. The offense was so, so efficient getting down the field, scoring um, their first drive, and then able to put up another score before halftime to go in um, up, up two scores is what you believe the team to be, um, a team that's reckoned, uh, prepared for the playoffs, prepared for this season, um, not many changes making from a coaching staff and the philosophy. So this train was already rolling. We had we had some young players, some rookies just jump on the pl- on the train, uh, but we didn't miss a beat. We didn't. We, we, uh, again, just so sharp with the alignment assignment. That's the one thing when I was looking at the game, um, I was looking at the communication on the back end. How well was the guys on the back end? Were they on the same page? Were they seeing things the same way? And then offensively, um, was the receiver seeing things through coach? Um, Andy Reid's and be enemy's eyes, but also through Pat's eyes. Were the receivers where they were supposed to be, or was uh, uh, Pat having to, uh, Patrick actually having to hold it an extra t- a count or two? And I didn't see any of that. I saw a very efficient offense, and our defense got the job done. Obviously, big plays by uh, the, the rookie defensive end going in, letting his motor uh, just continue to work to get that sack. And then Chris Jones coming up very big to uh, a play, a play stopping uh, sack. Um, to end the drive. So I saw everything I needed to see on defense and offense, special teams. We saw a couple of wrinkles. I don't know how many of those we want to let out the bag so early in the preseason, but we know we got an emergency kicker if we need it. He probably can punt the ball too if necessary. Uh, but we just got a team full of really uh, well, well-rounded well athletes. And I think we saw that in the Chicago Bears game, and we're hoping to see a repeat of that, I think, preparing for the uh, commandos. Yeah, and we're um – we're also seeing a team that could have your heart by November 1st because this is a defense that looks like they traded in steel-toed boots for rollerblades. They're just so much faster. Yeah. What we've seen on the field translated to Chicago. What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's tough with preseason games, especially the first one, because there's no game planning. Mm-hmm. But the defense in the first half really couldn't have looked any better, I don't think. If you look at the numbers, I mean, the Bears punted on their first five possessions, mm-hmm. including two three and outs. In the first half, the Bears ran 27 total plays. 19 of them gained less than five yards, and 11 of those plays gained either zero or negative yards. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, just a total of 123 yards gained for the Bears in that first half. That included three possessions for Justin Fields, uh, just 78 yards allowed um, for Justin Fields' offense by this Chiefs defense. Uh, So exciting stuff, I think. Some standouts for me, you mentioned George Karloftis, really 
impressive yes. performance by him. Um, he had four pressures and a sack, showed a lot of bend around the edge, mm -hmm. the athleticism that we were hoping to see from him. So George Karloftis, I think, is the major takeaway from that game. But Tershawn Wharton had a sneaky good game. Yes, he did. Uh, he had three pressures on just 12 pass rush snaps, so very efficient. Uh, Leo Chanel, seven tackles, no misses. Uh, that's what we were hoping to see out of him. That's the kind of player he is, and we certainly saw that. And Chris Jones, we've talked about the intensity and the energy that he's shown throughout this camp, and we're like, let's see if it carries over to the yes. game. I think it did. On the third snap for the Bears, Chris Jones comes blasting through the line and sacks Justin Fields. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Chris. A uh, little injury here today. He has a back and left uh, practice a little bit early with a sore back. But hopefully Chris is okay. But very exciting to see what he did uh, against the Bears. You know, I loved his subtle as I watched the video. He, he puts Fields in the trash compactor and then just runs off the field like this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it was awesome to see that little subtle thing. And I'll just tag this as we move to the second item, the tough catches. We all ooh and awe of the 40-yard touchdown. Oh, yeah. There were eight tough catches in this game, either quick slants, in cuts, or drag your toe. Mm -hmm. And Justin Watson had three of them, got smoked on a couple of them. Sky Moore had two of them. Yep. Uh, yes, Marquez Scanling had one of them, and Doris Fountain had two of them, and five of them were for first downs. Mm. That is like something, I don't care if it's a preseason game or it's playing in the park. If you make those catches, that bodes well for the season. Now let's go to our second item, and that is the three days we just witnessed here. Tomorrow is Military Appreciation Day as we close out this portion of camp. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Now, we've been, I've been around coach now for 10 years, but I've learned what these three days mean. After the first preseason game, he does not let up at all. So the whole first two weeks of camp, we called that the ramp-up period. And they had seven padded practices in 11 days, and it was all about getting out there and playing football again. Yeah getting out there in the pads, getting used to the physical contact. They increased the practice duration time over that first week from an hour and a half to eventually two hours and 25 minutes. And that's what every padded practice has been since then. So that's the ramp up period. I think that the time after that first game, when they come back here to St. Joe, is kind of the hang-on period. <laughs> because you, you've ramped up the football activity, you've traveled to a different city, yeah. you've gone and played a real game, but now you come back to St. Joe, and you're doing this all again. You're in the dorms again. Yes. You're going through the meetings, and you go out there and have a padded practice, and three straight padded practices from Monday uh, until today, Wednesday. So that's tough. That's tough on your body. Uh, it's tough mentally. And who is going to power through that time? Mm -hmm. Who comes out here on Monday earlier this week and still impresses like they were two weeks ago? And that's what the coaches are trying to figure out right now. One interesting thing is Coach Spagnolo talked about how on Tuesday, he was not impressed with the defense on Monday. He didn't like how they looked. He challenged them that night to say, hey, this is the time you have to impress. This, mm -hmm. is, the, this is the time you have to go out there and really give it your all. And it, he said that they were pretty good on Tuesday. So um, hopefully he continues to see that over the next several days. But I think this is the hang-on period <laughs> where, yeah, you went out there in Chicago. Maybe you had a good game, but then you have to come back here and keep doing Groundhog Day where you're coming out here in pads and impressing. And um, that's where we're going to see who's going to make this team on the bottom end of that roster, who can power through this time. Yeah, and they were. I think the defense was better than good. Uh, the pick six by Justin Reed comes to mind. Uh, Big-time play today uh, by Trent McDuffie just ripping it out. Yeah. Clyde, Clyde Edwards and Brand and the whole defensive sideline erupts. These three days. Now, you've helped coach in this camp before. You know what these three days are like. Uh, the guys seem to have handled it. Maybe the weather gave us a break because the weather was awesome these three days. 
But what do these three days mean, not just for now, Shop, in your opinion, your experience, for even down the road? Well, it's, it's long for players, but it's also long for coaches. I mean, you, you get the coaching, you get in the rhythm, and then you got to take the flight, and then you get, you're in the hotel room, you're in the comforts of a real stadium, and now, like you said, you come back to the small dorms and the, the meeting rooms, and, the you know, it, it's kind of this compact area that's not what you're, you're, you're accustomed to as an NFL coach. So you got to refocus yourself also. And as a coach, you don't want to get into that lull of thinking, I've got it all worked out. We know who's the ones, who's the twos, who's the threes. We know the guys that might be on the cut line. So let's just keep status quo. You're always pushing guys to go from good to being great. And that, even in the dog days, even once you come back from the Bears game, I want to see who can take a day off, come back on Monday, tuned in, focused, ready to go attack the day, and get something out of each and every day. You ha- you only have so many opportunities to get better before the season starts. Each moment, each there's there's a, there's a point of emphasis. Each practice, each individual player has talked to a position coach. What is your what is your focus today? How are you going to get better individually, and how are you going to help us be a better team collectively to help us win on game day? That has to be a challenge. You work in the mirror each and every morning before you start these dog days of camp. And whoever can get it done, especially in this atmosphere right now, like you said, after hitting the other team, the, 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 the you know opponents, uh, dragging them to the ground, you, you haven't had a chance to do that all summer long. You get a taste of that. Some people just a half, a quarter, a few plays, and now it's back to playing tempo, rap, uh, take it down to the ground, thud, all the different tempos. you got to be able to tune it down, but mentally you have to still be focusing and, and hitting on all cylinders. So that's the challenge. That's the ups and lows, the hills and valleys that players have to constantly put themselves to to create that Mamba mindset, that mindset of no matter what the situation is, I'm going to give my all and everything on this field to make sure my alignment, my assignment, and my attitude and accountability, my communication across the board is playing at an all-pro level no matter what the situation. And we saw guys get it done here today on a very high level. And one more quick thought on that. Shop and I were watching practice, and he was talking about how when he played, how different training camp was. Oh. So this is practice number 19 if you include the rookie days. Mm-hmm. So what, only uh, 15 if you don't. It's a lot of practices, but back in your day, you were practicing like double 35 times double, in 20 double, days. And double that number. Pads yeah, and pads double that days. number. He walked up hills to school both ways. <laughs> but, but, but the point is <laughs> that smoke. back then you had more time to prepare, right? You had yes. more practice time to prepare. The way the rules are now is you have to maximize every single day, truly, because yeah. you already don't have a lot of time. So when you come back from Chicago and you have a couple of padded practices in a row, yeah, it's tough. But Coach Reed is the master of this. He is maximizing every single day. And I can't say that for every coach around the league. One observation before we move on. Anthony Sherman, recently retired fullback, came on Monday. He said, why do you think I'm here today? He said, I'm here today because usually this is the worst practice mm-hmm. of camp just what we just talked about. He says, I'm going to be here today to encourage him. I saw him after practice. He goes, I didn't have to say a word. These guys were on it. It's awesome. So when the sausage speaks, everybody listens. (laughs) And now we're going to talk about the Commanders game briefly for the game coming up on Saturday afternoon at 3 at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. But it's practice for you as well uh, in the stadium. The rookies have all said, is it really that cool? Is it really that cool? Just wait, just wait. Well, that depends on you. Also, it's uh, Red Friday time because the regular season is coming soon. And that means we're getting ready for Red Friday, one of the great traditions in the NFL. And so this yearly tradition gives all of the Chiefs' kingdom a chance to say, hey, football is back, the Chiefs are back. You can get this year's limited edition flag. These are collector's items. Some of them have all of them, uh, some fans. 
Red Friday is now September the 9th, September the 9th, before we go to Arizona. And you can get these flags at the KC Area McDonald's locations or shop.chiefs.com. All flag sales benefit Ronald McDonald House. Charities of Kansas City, you can visit chiefs.com slash Red Friday to earn more. One of my favorite days of the year is Red Friday. It's September the 9th. It's not the Friday before the home opener because that would be the day after the Charger <laughs> game. All right, because we're so, I'll playing them on a Thursday night. Let's get into the commander game really quickly here, and this is your old team, man. These are two of your old teams going at it. Different name. Different name. But what do you want to see from the Chiefs in preseason game number two? Uh, just some growth. I want to see some growth. I want to see our, our, our DBs and our secondary guys even take a step further of challenging their receiving cores. Um, they have a good receiving core, obviously. Uh, Scary Terry um, is, is one of the you know uh, top 10, top 15 receivers in the league, and I think he'll give our guys a good challenge. Let's work our mirror, work our footwork, work our responsibility, know our leverage and don't get caught outside your leverage. Um, um, you know, being able to, 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 to respond to a, a, a good start, you know, a bunch of three and outs, a bunch of punts in the first half, but maybe even, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing some adversity, seeing how they, uh, how, how they rebound against a, a deep ball being completed on them, uh, giving up a first down, a missed tackle, something like that, to see that defense kind of come back together and say, all right, hey, this is where we stop them, this is where we uh, make our stand. Um, I would like to see. I would like to see some goal line stances. I would like to see um, some third and longs, third and longs, some third and shorts. Maybe some unusual down and distances and stuff like that. Uh, we we know that the Chiefs can bring pressure. We know guys can get there. We know guys can cover. Um, so maybe even dial in the back and seeing just some basic cover two, cover one, some orbits, um, watching the safeties rock and roll, get back to some basic fundamental stuff, get some reps under our belt. Let's see a long 13-play drive. I want to see our guys kind of get tested a little bit before the regular season starts. So I know that's something that our fans don't want to see because that means the other team is getting first downs. But there's nothing wrong with going through that right now so you can get your win and get your uh, get accustomed to it, get acclimated to those long drives because you know during the season you're going to see some long drives. Um, so I would like to see that in preseason game number two. So Terry McLaurin, we've talked about this. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers yes. in the league. They have Jahan Dotson now. Yeah. They picked up who is lightning fast uh, and more like a McCall Hardman type yeah. receiver. All right, Matt, what do you want to see in this uh, game against the Commanders? Well, a couple things. I'd like to see the run game get going a little bit. Uh, just 52 rushing yards last week. The running game is so hard to work on in the offseason because you're not wearing pads <laughs> until training camp. And even then, it's difficult. You only have so many practices. Yes. So it's understandable why it takes a little while to really get going. But I'd like to see progress in the running game. We have such a deep backfield, I think, mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out who's going to make this team at running back. So hopefully uh, we'll see something out of the running game. I think it would be good for the offensive line as well because offensive linemen love blocking <laughs> for the run. gets to go up and push somebody over. So hopefully we see some of that. Uh, I'd also love to see the efficiency we saw from the first-team offense once again. Mm -hmm. That was one of the biggest takeaways from the game is Patrick Mahomes completed six passes on his lone drive, each of them to a different player. Uh, let's see, Michael Burton, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Marquez – Aldis Scantling, Isaiah Pacheco, and Blake Bell all caught a pass on that drive. Nobody caught two passes. Yeah. And that's what we're going to see, I think, from this offense this season is Patrick Mahomes spreading the ball all over the place. Very exciting to see that efficiency. So hopefully we'll see some more of that here in this game. And for the players, the rookies particularly, that played well, against the Bears. So I'm thinking about Sky Moore, George Karloftis, and not a rookie, but also a guy like Justin Watson. I'm looking for them to come into this game when they're already feeling pretty good mm -hmm. and put another good performance on tape and stack those performances because it would be really easy to feel good about that Bears game then just come into this game and all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't have a very good game, you know, and you're not feeling as good about them. Hopefully these guys can stack these games together and turn in another good outing. 
to me, it's offensive line depth. You've got to find offensive linemen. That was not a great thing against Chicago, to be honest. Two, defending the run. Um, and I know they have Antonio Gibson, but he's losing his RB1 job real quick to Brian Robinson, the rookie of Alabama. So he'll play with his hair on fire, the snaps that he gets. Yes. And three would be special teams. Who's going to be the kick and punt returner for this team? We're sitting here on August the 17th, and that answer has not been given yet. Mm-hmm. So that will be something to watch. All right, real quick, we're going to wrap it up. Camp now pivots. Camp does it in. But it pivots. It goes from St. Joe back to Kansas City after the commander game. This now starts to assimilate in-season rhythm. Yes. Okay? And it's 15 days to get ready for Arizona. Nothing against the Green Bay preseason game, but the Cardinals start to come more in focus here. Just really quick, your thoughts as we close it out. Well, I'll say the one thing the players got to realize is this is when football really comes to life. Being a way to, you know, isolate yourself in training camp and only thing you got to focus is football that takes up 24 hours of your day now you got to get back to real life paying bills kids in schools taking care of your yards uh detailing what all the things that life is really about that besides football those things come back into play um you're back at your home uh back in your, your normal neighborhood trying to get a new routine um uh that's going to be the season routine so how quickly do you get acclimated back to that lifestyle and then when it comes to you know hey man we still got cut downs we got to still see there's a bottom half of this roster that's still being flipped. And, and I guarantee you when it comes down to the 53, we have it's going to be one or two players that are not even on the roster right now that might sneak into those positions. Everybody, all 32 teams, you got players that are going to be playing their butts off trying to make somebody's roster. And there's going to be a team that's heavy in one position that we might be a little light in that a guy that's not even on our roster will come here and make this 53 roster based on one of those last preseason games or something he does um, um, on, on, on this really special in these last few weeks. So it doesn't stop. You don't ever stop grinding. The roster is always continuing to, to grow and, and, and just keep turning itself over. But what I really am excited to see as the season turns is us prepare for those AFC West opponents and you know Andy does a great job of kind of finding a way just to whittle out or carve out a small portion of practice to make sure that we spend a little time on the Denver Broncos the LA Raiders and the fearless LA Chargers so we're going to spend a little bit time on those even though it's officially going to be time to turn the the clock to uh, the Cardinals. Uh, you mentioned the roster cut down. Let's go over that briefly and what has happened so far and what's going to happen yes. um, because that truly is the story of the next several weeks. Uh, six guys were waived this week. So offensive linemen Evan Kazarzak, wide receivers Omar Bayless, Gary Jennings, and Devin Gray, mm-hmm. defensive lineman Austin Edwards, and then corner Lonnie Johnson. Also added veteran defensive tackle Danny Shelton, a big man. 345 pounds, a very big man. Grand Uh, elevator. Yeah, so we'll see what he can do. Hopefully a run stuffer for this team. The roster is now at 85 as of this recording. It has to be to 80 players by next Tuesday. So five more guys will be cut uh, by next Tuesday after the Commanders game. So just like I said last time, this Saturday, this game for a lot of guys fighting for a roster spot is their Super Bowl. It's Mm -hmm. everything to them. So um, be watching those guys, particularly in the third and fourth quarter. Um, After that, uh, 27 guys will need to be cut uh, by August 30th to get from 80 down to 53. It's a brutal day in the NFL. Like a 1,000 guys are all of a sudden cut. But like you said, we could end up with some of those guys from other teams. We'll see how it works out. But this is the time of year when that bottom of the roster, guys are fighting to hang on either on this team or to impress another team. 
um, but be following along for these roster updates, and we'll see what kind of team we have uh, by the time we go to Arizona. But there's still some battles to be figured out. Mm -hmm. Really nothing is set in stone with the exception of Patrick Mahomes as our quarterback. <laughs> but other than that, there's battles uh, at the bottom end of – um, every position on this team right now and that's what you want the competition in this camp has been awesome the depth has been very exciting uh, and this game against the commanders is a great opportunity for that depth to really rise and show who's going to make this team come september i'm thinking kelsey's got a pretty good chance to make the team just me <laughs> i mentioned that <laughs> the other day i was like i think 87 is a pretty good shot i'm thinking i don't know i'm going go on a limb yeah uh and it's, there's always surprise cuts to marcus robinson former chief cut by the raiders on their first cut i was mm. like mm, interesting all right we had Sydney, Australia at practice today here in St. Joe, Missouri. We have heard from six continents on defending the kingdom. Antarctica, where are you? Now, here is my challenge to the world. Next year, we want all seven continents at least represented by one family coming to camp at least one day. St. Joe, thank you. Missouri Western State University, thank you. What I love about these days at camp it's families, and it's yeah. kids, and it's fabulous. For Matt McMullen, senior team reporter, and for Sean Barber, longtime NFL player and barbershop himself, I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. We will see you at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, 3 p.m. Saturday. Let's go, be loud, and let these rookies know they're in a special place. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.